Let's just look at one verse tonight. This is as far as we've made it in our verse-by-verse study of the epistle of 1 John. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Look at the very first word. It says, look. It says, behold. Set your eyes on the love of God tonight. Like, set your gaze. Survey the wondrous cross. It's telling you and me to lift up our heads and take a long, hard look at the love of God for us. Didn't John the Baptist say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus said to Mary when he was there on the cross, he said, behold your son. So tonight, the Lord is saying to you, he's saying, look at me. Look at the love that I've shown towards you. Open up your eyes. And isn't that what we do when we receive the bread and the cup? We reflect, we remember, we behold once again what Jesus did to purchase our pardon, what he did to rescue us from our our sins and the consequences of our sins. It tells us to behold what manner of love. And that doesn't just mean what kind of love. It doesn't just mean the way that God loves us, although it does mean that. When it says manner, that, that word in the Greek means that it's a love like we've never known before. It's, it's a love that's out of this world. In fact, some translators write, behold this other world love, like this love that's foreign to us, not just in a way that's strange, but there's nothing else in the world like the love of God out of this world. That's the manner of love that he speaks of. A song that we sing often, Jesus, Son of God, says just this, a love like this the world had never known because you took our sin You bore our shame. You rose to life. You defeated the grave. A love like this, the world has never known. Behold the the foreign love of Jesus. Who would love like that? Who would pay the price for your sin and you're atoned for, but you're also, what is it saying? You're adopted. You're brought into his family. Look at the love, this love. You're a, a foreigner in a foreign land, you're changed by this love that's foreign to the world. And it's not just different or strange, it's magnificent. So we're passing through, we're living according to a different world's priorities, a different world's loves, the love of the Father, the love of the things of the kingdom of God. So look at this out of this world love that the Father has bestowed on us bestowed, how come you usually don't say, I'm bestowing you with this gift? We know that to be bestowed, uh, if we're bestowed, you're given to, but how is that different than the simplicity of a gift? Well, if someone bestows something on you, it's assumed that they're above you, right? That, that it's a gift from a high place, that it's a gift from above, from a greater source, a greater authority, and a greater grace in this case. He's bestowed that love upon us, the gift. You're sitting here tonight ready to receive the bread and the cup because God gave you a gift. You're here tonight ready to remember because you've been bestowed upon. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's a gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, right, the gift of God is eternal life given to us 
from on high. Isn't that true? All of his holiness reached us in our lowly state with his love. So look, take a long, hard look at this out of the world, out of this world, from another world, love from the Father. He's given it to us from on high, bestowed it upon us, that we should be called children of God. Now, the King James, the old King James put it sons of God, but this is the word we've been talking about in some previous studies, technia, which means born ones. So it's right to translate it as, as sons and daughters of God, as children of God, that the Lord would say, I'm calling you my own. You've been born, born of the Spirit. You've been born again. You belong to me. We're identified as children of God. So here is, is the adoption. As you're here this evening and you're receiving the, the bread, which represents his body, you're receiving the cup, that's his blood shed for you. Remember your atonement. Remember the pardon. Remember the propitiation for your sins, the price that was paid for your sins. But also take time and remember, it's not as though God said, oh, I forgive you, now go away. Are you that way with people sometimes? Like, okay, I've forgiven you. I don't want to see any more of you now. That's not the forgiveness of the Lord. The forgiveness of the Lord is you're forgiven and you're a part of my family. That is amazing. I don't want to say it's more than forgiveness, but it is because he didn't just free us. He kept us. He made us his own, calling us his children. That's our identity. That's who we are above all else. I hope before anything else, that's how you see yourself. If you've surrendered to Jesus as Lord, I'm a child of God. I'm in awe of it. I don't deserve it, but it's true that he bestowed upon me this gift that I should be called his son. As a parent, you know, when you call to your kid, there, there's something even better when you say son or daughter than, than even their name sometimes. That's my son. That's my daughter. They're, they're a part of me. My love for them isn't going anywhere. The love for the Lord is so much greater even than that. You're, he's your parent. Your debts are paid. He's your father. You're atoned for and you're adopted into his family. You are beholding the love of God that would would do this, that has done this for you, O child of God. Now, the second half of verse 1 tells us that the world does not know us because it did not know him. And let me preface this point, and this is a short sermon like we normally do on communion nights, a lot of singing and a short sermon. Let me preface this point by saying that we are definitely to shine the light of Jesus to unbelievers. What I'm about to say doesn't negate the truth that we're to take representing Jesus very seriously. We want his light in us. We want to prove that we love him by keeping his commandments. We, we want people to know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. But look at what the word says. It says the world doesn't know us. Their perspective in that unbelieving state the perspective of us is skewed. And many look on with unfounded accusations. I come across this a lot of times. People tell me I had a bad experience. And I do, I do grieve for that. I, I don't take it lightly. At the same time, 
It says here that the world doesn't understand us, that they don't know us because they didn't know Jesus. They don't know what a walk with God is. They don't know what it means to, to be by his side and to have his spirit dwelling in us. And it's hard to not take it personally, but this verse says they don't know us because they don't know the Lord. They don't know God. And sometimes we think that if there was just a perfect example, that that person would get saved. We think if there was just someone who could live out this faith in a way that was impeccable and flawless, and if just there was no hypocrisy whatsoever in the body of Christ, then that person would just have to believe. Well, there is a perfect example, and that's Christ. When people reject Christ because they see hypocrisy in the church, that's an excuse, not a reason. Because really, at the end of the day, it's about it's not first and foremost about what you're going to do with Christians. It's first and foremost about what are you going to do with Jesus, the one who took your sin on the cross, the one who died for you when you didn't even know him or care for him, the one who defeated death on your behalf and wants to bring you into his family, right? And even when we sin, is that a legitimate reason for others to reject Jesus, to point the finger and say, that's why I can't put my faith in Jesus? Flawed Christians are, they might be an excuse for rejecting Christ, but they're not a legitimate reason. Jesus lived a perfect life. He loved perfectly. And people were still lined up to mock him and insult him and betray the love that he had given to them. Still, people ready to, to, to push away, to say, no, I, I don't want this perfect love that speaks the truth, that pursues me in mercy. So if you've rejected Jesus because of the hypocrisy of saved sinners and you feel justified in your rejection, you're not. What are you going to do with Jesus? Is the sin of a saint enough to warrant your rejection of the cross? Not even close. The Lord Jesus has accurately reflected love and grace to this world. And tonight, if you've known his grace, if you know his grace today, if you are his child, you're to come and examine yourself and receive this bread and this cup. The Lord isn't just a reflection of love. You see, you and I, we're, we're, we're to be a reflection of the love of God. We don't have our own love to give away that's worth anything. Jesus isn't just a reflection of love. He, he is love. He has illustrated that for us. He's demonstrated that to us. And today, if anyone says no to him, if anyone pushes him away, let me make it clear, it's not the rejection of people. It's not the rejection of the church. It's not the rejection of Christians. It's the rejection of Jesus himself. Because he's, he said, wide open arms, spread out on the cross, come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Isn't the Bible full of Christian hypocrites? And once again, I'm not making light of it, isn't it? You read the word and you go, man, it's a wonder that anybody ever got saved. That's because it's a work of God. It's not a work of man. We want to shine his light. We want to be the city on the hill. But the Lord is the one who draws people in. And if he's calling you today to receive their bread in the cup, to believe on him in the first place, believe in him. Answer the call. And if today there's some supposed reason and you're thinking, well, if I only had a perfect priest, 
You do. You have Jesus, the high priest who sympathizes with, sympathizes with every single weakness. He's been tempted in every point as you have, yet he's been found faithful. If I only had the perfect leader, if I didn't have all these people in the way, the people aren't in the way. You've put them in the way. There is no mediator but Jesus. And if you come today with that sense of regret, let it drive you to the reality that, that you're not the bridge between anybody and God. That, that belongs to Jesus. If you've been there before, if you're there tonight where you're like beating yourself up and you're like, I haven't rightly represented God. I mean, I, mean, I can enumerate the times and the ways and with the people. Is it not still his work? I want to I wanna be faithful. Yet today is about receiving the beautiful gift that he gave to me and to you. It's no small matter to, to not receive the bread and the cup. We should examine ourselves. We should re repent of our sins. We should see the sin, the sins that we've committed that, that put Jesus on the cross. But when the Lord is the one who is saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. I, I admit, I'm, I, I ask, I, it's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not really a, much of a peeker. At like, or did they take communion? But I said, did you take communion? Like, no, no, no. Just felt like I couldn't, couldn't do it. That's a big deal. If you belong to the Lord, come clean before him. He's saying, take heat. This is my body broken for you. This is the cup. Drink of it in remembrance of the blood that I, that I shed for you. That beholding of the mighty love of God for me and for you. The middle of this chapter talks a whole lot about sin. So this would probably be, probably be a good Sunday to skip if that offends you. It's like 10 times in six verses or something. Can't the Bible call it something else? It doesn't even, he doesn't even mix it up a little bit. He just keeps saying it. But the amazing thing is, is he knew every sin that I would commit, even the ones that I'm going to commit in the future, and he still, he still gave his life so that I could be his child. And today, as you examine and as you worship him, that's the love that you are to behold. Lord, each one of us, we, we look, we look with our, we look with our spiritual eyes, Lord, and we choose to, to say thank you, God, for removing the scales, but we, we know that we can have our eyes be darkened. We can be fooled by our own flesh, and we can be fooled by the enemy sometimes, Lord. He's just so sneaky. And right now, we, we want to see clearly. We want to receive from your hand. We want to remember your blood and your flesh. Thank you, Lord, for carrying out the plan of the Father. Thank you for not holding to your own comfort or your own majesty but for humbling yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross. We um, revel and we rejoice in the love that you've given to us. We say, oh, how great a love it is that you should give your life for me and then call me your own.